Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. And today we're going to close up with basically Joshua's famous last words. It's the best way I can describe it. It's, it. Joshua knows at this point his life, his time here on earth is coming to an end. He is old in age. He knows that, hey, I've, I've, lived, I've lived the stories. I fought the good fight. And before he leaves, he says, hey, I want to gather the people of Israel. I want to gather the leaders of Israel, the elders. And I just have something really important to say. So what we're going to pick up today is actually in Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Don't worry. If you don't have one, it's going to come up on the screen. And uh, actually, church, why don't you help me real quick? Because today, well, I know we have a bunch of people that are out of town because of uh, Memorial Day weekend. We have a few people that are sick as well. But, and then, of course, our online community. But can you help me, Kendall Campus? We're welcoming every single person that's watching online. We love you guys. You guys are awesome. And... Uh, Every single time Pastor Alex asks us to, to greet everyone online, I like under my breath, I'm like, those are my people. Like, so, because I love you guys. It's amazing. I love all you guys too, you know, but just, <laughs> well, you get what I'm saying. All right, so Joshua chapter 23, if you're there, say amen. 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 So, all right, so the, Lord, the word of the Lord says, a long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies and Joshua was old and well advanced in age, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all the nations for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. So what Joshua continues to do is actually uh, remind the people of Israel, hey, like, don't forget everything God's done for you. Don't forget all the battles that we won because God fought for us. Don't forget God had your back in the middle of it all. So that's, be, that's between uh, Joshua chapter 23, verses 9 through 16. And picking up in, in chapter 24, again, he just, again, he calls the people together and he goes over God's resume. He goes over the history of history. He goes as far back as when God uh, took the people of, of Israel out of Egypt and he parted the Red Sea. He goes on to talk about when he, clear, when he uh, parted the Jordan River, when he dried up the Jordan River, when also even as far back as when God promised Abraham that he was going to be a father to the nations. Like, he's just like, hey, look, God has done this, 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 this. And where we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter 4 is just one page over in verse 14. Basically, what Joshua is saying is that now in light of all of this, blank. And what Joshua is about to do right now is essentially draw a line in the sand. That now that you know everything that God has done, now that you know of him and that you know him, 
this is how you respond. So picking up in verse 14, it says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, meaning like, hey, if in, after all of this, if you still decide that this ain't for you, choose this day whom you will serve. Like make a decision already. Whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And like, I want you guys to underline this next part. I want you, we're actually going to say it together as a church. Joshua boldly says straight up, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, why don't you say that with me one more time? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, so, so much to get from from these verses that we read today and so much to get from the weight behind Joshua's famous last words. See, today we're gonna unpack this a little bit and see what was Joshua trying to say to the people and what and how does that apply to us here today. So if you're writing notes, we're gonna be talking over the topic of don't play with God. Don't play with God. And I'll tell you, you play with God, you're gonna lose. Don't do it. Please don't do it. But... Um, we're going to unpack this in just a moment over the next few minutes and we're going to celebrate baptisms, celebrate outside for Memorial Day party. It's going to be an amazing Sunday. But before we continue, let's close our eyes, bow our heads and ask God to bless this time. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for your goodness and grace. God, we thank you that we get to serve you and we get to worship you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that in this time, God, that while it's my voice, I pray that it would be your words. God, I pray that you would take this message, minister to your people, however you seem fit, Lord, and that God, um, out, of, out of everything that is said today, God, may we just reflect and may we, may we just learn, God, that you are good, you're with us, you're forced. May we have a clear vision of who you are. Jesus, may you encourage and discourage, may you lift up the heads of those that are downcast, God, and may you move in this time. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And all the Calvary said, amen. Come on, can we make some noise for Jesus one more time in this place? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, uh, I've been working uh, since I was 13 years old. So my dad passed away when I was 13 and literally about three months later, I got my first job, started working at a barbershop and I started sweeping up hair. They taught me how to cut hair, which if you ask me to cut your hair now, you're not gonna want the haircut. Uh, during the pandemic, I tried cutting my own hair. It didn't come out great. Um, but I've been working since, since I was that young. And when I was about maybe 15, 16 years old, I started working at a car accessory shop. So essentially what we were doing is we were making, we like a person will come in, they'll say, hey, this is my car. I want it to look nice. We'll put chrome rims on it. We would put like just chrome details all over. We would make it nice, put a good stereo system. Like I was 15, 16 years old working on cars. And at, at least for me, uh, before my dad passed away, one of the things that he instilled in me and my siblings was um, don't let anybody outwork you. Like, you better be the hardest working person in the room wherever you're at. Like, that's my toxic trait. You know what I mean? Like, I make sure I'm the hardest working person. We play soccer on Mondays, and I make sure I don't stop running. Like, be the hardest worker in the room. So, in about 2007, 2008, uh, the, the car brand Chrysler and Dodge, they, they released, like, man, they, they, they released a momentous car. The Chrysler 300. And if anybody's familiar with a Chrysler 300, everybody had that car in those years. Like that car looked like a Rolls Royce Phantom. So like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't afford this one, but I'm going to get this one that looks just like it. It's like buying fake Yeezys. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what people were doing. 
So because everyone had that card, that card, since it looked like a phantom, everybody wanted to make it actually look like a phantom. So what was cool about that car is you can customize the front grille of the car. And here's the thing about the front grille of that car. It's extremely hard to, to change because there's like 20 screws throughout the entire thing of it. It's like this big. And then to, take, to actually take the screws off, you have to take apart the bumper, move it to the side, and then remove the screws and then put the new ones in. All right, so me, because my toxic trait is be the hardest working person in the room and try to, get, try to be as efficient as you can be and get as much work done as possible, I, I, I said, you know what, um, I'm going to find a way around this because this is taking me an hour or two each time. And man, I got money to make. So I, I try to find a way to not necessarily cut corners, but to kind of speed up the process. Mind you, right next door, we had a mechanic shop that, you know, they would talk to me. I was 15, 16 years old. They were teaching me how to be handy. They were teaching me, like, hey, this is how, like, when you get a car, let it cool down. Just for anybody in here, by the way, if you have a car and you want to work on your car, let it cool down. You don't want to get burned. You don't want to get hurt. So long story short, I'm working one day on a Chrysler 300. I'm changing the grill. And that day, we were busy. And I'm like, man, I got, I'm going to have to do this in, like, 20 minutes. I got to find a way to do this. I'm going to make it happen. And the car came in, and it was a, it was a scorching hot day. And I, I said, you know what? I'm not going to take off the bumper. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to do this the Adam way. So I stick my hand into the front of the car. And to make a long story short, my hand touches the radiator. I know, I know. <laughs> and I basically seared my pinky. You can't see it right now, but, like, I have a scar and I, it got to the point where I saw, I, it smelled like chicken, and, um, and I saw my bone. That's how deep the sear was. And I would, I, would, I would have put up a picture up here, but I have hairy knuckles, and I don't think that's very pleasing. So I didn't, I, but, but long story short, because I wanted to do things the Adam way, and I listened to the wisdom that was imparted to me by the mechanics, the guys who were experienced, I, I had a bad time. It's like, I got hurt. I did this all wanting to operate on my own wisdom, off my own tack, and doing things my way. And I say this story because that's kind of like, you know, that's kind of us on a regular basis for how many times that we've had friends or family members, we've had mentors, we've had pastors, we've had, we've had the word of God tell us this is how we should go about things, but yet we still do things our own way. We don't listen to wisdom. We don't listen to advice. We don't listen to godly advice or like sound wisdom. We operate based off of what we think is best and more and, and even easier, we based off of how we feel. And where has that gotten us? <laughs> right? Like I can't imagine anyone in here has said today, hey, like, mind you, we have intuition and we kind of always have like that gut feeling. Like my wife has the best intuition in the world. Like when she tells me that ain't it and I still do whatever it is, man, it, 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 I always end up, like, you know what, honey, you're right. <laughs> so, but all that to say, all of that to say is that we, what easily happens is that we're more likely to get our wisdom based off of how we feel. We're more likely to go look to a post on the internet, on Instagram or TikTok. And we're more likely to listen to that than to listen to the sound advice from an experienced friend, a pastor, a friend, a mentor, the word of God. Hello. And, and here's the thing. The reality is that right now, a lot of us, we're like self-educated because we live in the age of information, right? Like anything, any little thing, oh, I'll have a headache. Cool. I'm going to go on Google. I'm going to look it up and WebMD is going to tell me I have a migraine and I can just take some Tylenol or whatever it is, right? Or even worse, we all know how bad WebMD is. But we, we, we easily go to outside sources as opposed to listening to sound wisdom, right? Like, and again, the age of information, we don't even know what's true anymore. Like, do we invest in cryptocurrencies or not? 
Is the earth flat or not? I asked Chris earlier. He said it's not, so good, good for him. You know what I mean? Like there's just so much that we're bombarded with. And again, because there's so much, so much information out there, we go based off of our feelings. We, we say, you know what? Ain't no one going to tell me anything. Can't, can't anyone tell me nothing? Because I just want to do whatever I want to do. And, and at least for me, when I was preparing this message, I really felt that there's some people in here today or watching online. There's some men that are actually, you're making some of the poorest decisions of your life. And right now your relationships are struggling. Your marriages are struggling. Like you're about to make probably the worst decision of your life. And I'll tell you right now, don't do it. Like listen to sound wisdom. Don't do it. I don't know what exactly it is. I just felt God, like God wanted to say that to somebody here. There's young people in here today that you have all the right people around you. You, have, you come to youth on Fridays, like you listen to your, like you have leaders around you. You come on Sundays, your parents are godly parents, but yet you're still doing whatever it is you want to do. Here's what I want to encourage you. Listen to sound wisdom, right? Because what happens is when we do things our own way and we go based off of how we feel and based on our own, own wisdom, our marriages begin to struggle. Our relationships begin to struggle. Our friendships end on bad terms, our, our children begin to struggle. We struggle at work. Even so much so that we struggle with ourselves to the point that we feel like our mental health is deteriorating. We can't, we can't just operate off of our own wisdom. We can't just do things based off of how we feel. We, we have to take the weight of those that, are, that have lived before us, those that have fought the good fight, those that have experienced life and actually apply that wisdom. Because the reality is a lot of us too, whenever we make a bad decision, like we kind of know. You get what I mean? Like we know what we should do. Like how many times have you made a bad decision? Like, man, I knew I shouldn't have. Like, right? That's knowledge. And we all have knowledge, but what is wisdom? Wisdom is applying that knowledge. And here's the problem, right? The big problem is all of this is that we accept turmoil when we deny wisdom. We accept turmoil when we deny wisdom. Basically, we're, when we deny wisdom, we're basically saying, all right, cool, I'm ready, I'm ready to go on this ride and it's gonna be a little crazy and I'm gonna end up feeling defeated after all of this. Every single time we deny wisdom, we accept turmoil in our life. But let's go back to the text that we read earlier. Let's reference this. Remember, this is Joshua's famous last words. Like there are weight behind someone's famous last words, especially someone who is a proven leader, especially someone who has merit. See, Joshua, just the fact that, that God uh, designated him as the leader of Israel during this time, the fact that he has a blemish-free leadership history already gives him enough merit, let alone the fact that at this point, he's 110 years old. Look, all I'm saying is, if you're 110 years old, I'm going to listen because, like, clearly you've seen life. <laughs> right? These, these words have weight. The fact that God's favor was over Joshua's life, his entire life, should already tell us and tell the people of Israel in that time that, man, we got to listen. If he has something to say, we have to listen. So again, going back to the context of, of when Joshua is talking to the people of Israel, he's addressing them right before he's about to pass. Like he knows at this point, my days here on earth are coming to an end. I have done it all. I've seen it all. Like now this is what I want to impart to you because Joshua was a great leader. 
We've read this throughout the, throughout the last few weeks. We've heard about it in all the messages that Joshua is an Old Testament symbol of Christ. He is, the, he is a great leader, but Joshua was also a godly leader. And what I mean by that is this, that a great leader knows, like they care for their people. A great leader cares for the people that they lead. They want to make sure they're taken care of. But uh, an even better leader wants to make sure they're good when they're gone. And that's what Joshua was doing. And again, because Joshua was a godly leader, he knew at that point, while yes, God may bury his worker, his work still needs to go on. So Joshua is like, hey, I just want to make sure you, like, before I go, this is like, I need you guys to write this down. I need you to dot your I's and cross your T's with this, right? Like, I need you to pay attention. And Joshua, he's, he's, He's telling everyone about the history of God and telling them about, hey, remember, God has been on your side. Like, be, like, make sure you, you pay attention to his law. See, in that time, their, their Bible were the Ten Commandments, which were, was the law of Moses. So he's like, hey, make sure you follow the law. Like, make, like just stick to this and you're going to be good. Essentially, what he's telling them is don't play with God. Don't play with God. Just, like, stick to the script. Stick to the parameters that God has given you. Actually, the charge that Joshua is giving the people is actually, it's a mirror of the charge that he received from what we read in Joshua chapter one when he's being commissioned by the Lord. It says here in verse seven, that to be strong and very courageous, be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Sounds familiar from what we read earlier, right? Uh, from, the right from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Essentially, in this encouragement, in this charge, in his final last words, Joshua, the best way we can sum it up is he's saying, be obedient to God. Be obedient to God. And out of that obedience, you will have favor. You will have blessing over your life. But like, let's talk about obedience because that sounds like a very harsh word. It's a very strong word. See, obedience is not conformity, right? Conformity is forced. Obedience is having the choice to be disobedient, but yet still choosing to be obedient. Obedience is very much like love because love is a choice. For example, there are some days, and I'm going to be honest right now, I wake up and my wife is not very lovable in that moment, but I have to choose to love her. And maybe you wake up some days and you're like, man, I woke up and I don't feel like I love Jesus today. To still choose to love him is not fake and it's not you being a hypocrite. It's you being obedient. Like obedience is not a bad thing. Because like love, if it's forced, it's not real. We're called to be obedient to the Lord. And, and here's the thing, because scripture interprets scripture and the Bible doesn't just end at Joshua. Actually, the Bible continues that right where Joshua ends is where the next book, the book of Judges, starts. And, and the book of Judges, basically the first chapter sums up Joshua chapter 24 and, and, and basically when Joshua charges the people to continue to take land. But in Judges chapter 2, what we see here is that the people began to be disobedient. They be, the, so the generation that lived right after Joshua kept on serving the Lord. They kept on being obedient. But the generation afterwards that outlived them, did not. And we're, we're going to read right now Judges chapter 2 verse 10. It says that after the whole generation that had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Which I would say, look, part of the blame can be put on them because they were disobedient, but part of the blame could be put on the generation before them because, man, it's our responsibility to tell the next generation. 
That's why as a church, one of our core values is legacy is our commitment to the what? To the next generation. Because they need to be told of everything that God has done. But picking up in verse 11, it says, Then the Israelites did evil in the, eye, in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, other gods. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger. And what we know from history and what we know from the rest of the Bible is that because of their disobedience, God delivered the people of Israel into the hands of the other nations. He delivered, he basically made, he, he punished them, essentially. He said, you know what, I can't fight for you anymore because you're not living for me. And, and don't get me wrong, each time that the people had a, had a heart of repentance, which is saying, God, I, we're wrong and like, you're right, we're sorry. God always sent a deliverer, someone that can take them out of that captivity but that still does not mean that they were not punished in the first place. All that to say that is that our disobedience has consequences. And out of those consequences, we, and it's, it's not easy. Like if you can avoid a problem, avoid it. Like think of us whenever we have to go to work, uh, whenever we have to go to work in the morning. Like if you can avoid traffic, avoid it, right? If you can avoid the consequences that comes from disobedience, avoid it. Because God has blessing over your life through obedience. And it's not to say that God works in the equation that A plus B equals C. No, no, no. But it's just saying that God has parameters. And if we live in those parameters, then, man, our lives will be blessed. There will be favor over us. I'll say it this way. If there's anything you get from today, is that remain in obedience to live in blessing. Remain in obedience to live in blessing. But how do we live in obedience? Like, based off of everything we just read, how do we live an obedient life? Mind you, this is not exhaustive, but just simply from what we read today, there are three things that I noticed. That I believe that God, that Joshua wants to share with the people and that God wants to share with us here today. Three things and how we can live an obedient life. And the first thing we have to do is that we need to confide in God. We need to confide, right? And, and maybe you're wondering, what does that mean? Confide is defined as to have confidence in, to trust intimately, and to give to the care or protection of another. See, in the verses that we read earlier, Joshua is reminding the people of the history God, uh, the history of God and what he's done so that they can, they can cling on to him, so that they can always remember, so they can confide in him, they can trust him in everything. More importantly, so that they can revere, so that they can rely on, so that they can remember the Lord, right? We need to confide in God. The question I'll, I'll, I'll venture to ask is, are you confiding in God? Meaning, are you trusting him at his word? Are you trusting him in his promises that he has for your life over your family? Are you trusting what, his, what the word says? Is, is the Bible infallible to you? Are you confiding in him? Like, will you trust him intimately to nav as you navigate your life? Will you allow yourself to be under his care and his protection? I know a lot of us, life can happen and situations can happen and we look for all these other things. We look for the bottom of a bottle. We look to pills. We look to sex. We look to sexuality. We look to all these different things. But can we confide in the Lord alone because only he's the one that can save. Only he's the one that can deliver you. Only he's the one that can bring peace. Only he's the one that can bring provision. Only he's the one that can bring anointing. Like we need to do just like what David said in Psalm 121 is to look up to the mountains and ask, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord alone. That he sets my feet so that I may not slip. Will you confide in God? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. 
Psalm 37, 4 says, delight in the Lord and he will give you all the desires of your heart and answer your petitions. Again, God doesn't work in an equation that way, but man, but let's see, let's see the patterns here. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you. That's from Jesus himself. We need to confide in him and go to him alone. And it's when we trust him, it's when we confide in him, when we live a life submitted to him, is when we live a life of obedience. And out of that obedience, there is blessing. So the first thing is confide. The second thing that we see here is that to live a life of obedience is we need to worship. We need to worship the Lord. And I know that sounds very simple and, and you're probably thinking like, yeah, that's what we just did. We sang songs. See, worshiping God is way more than just singing songs. It is how you live. It's living a life of integrity. It's, it's, it is our obedience. Going back to the text we read earlier, I'm gonna read a different translation because I think it, this one puts it so beautifully. Joshua 24 verse 14 says, therefore fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors, that of the gods your, your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. See, Joshua, he made a bold call for people to have a deep commitment, but also a true commitment to the Lord. And to stop giving worth to any other person, any other thing, any other God. Like he said, forget all of that and go to God. Him alone. He's worthy of all the worship. He is the first and last, the Alpha and the Omega. Are you hearing me? See, while Joshua was speaking to the people of Israel, he, he had known that some of them were not worshiping God and God alone. He knew that some of them were worshiping some of the older gods that were created by man in, in ancient Mesopotamia and so on. And he said, man, you got to throw those away. That's why he's addressing the people so boldly and so strongly. And while, yes, he's speaking to the people of Israel, I believe they're speaking to us today. Because we live in a culture where we make idols out of everything. We make idols out of celebrity. We make idols out of sports figures. We make idols out of ideologies. Hello. We make idols out of sex, out of sexuality. We make idols out of all these things that don't deserve worship. And, and maybe you're hearing an idol. An idol is not a, a, a statue that you put up in a closet that you pray to. No, no, no. An idol can be a way of thinking. An idol can be your children. Hello. An idol can be all the things that this world offers that we give worth to, that we say, hey, is worthy of our worship. But the reality is it is not. It is not. We're not, we're not called to worship false idols. And, and what can easily happen is that we get, we get things confused because yes, we come in on a Sunday, we, we go to our connect groups during the week and we come to church, we're gonna be here at worship and prayer night. But we have these idols in our life and we say, hey, I'm praising God, but I'm also like very much engaged in this. And it's, and it's very hard to catch sometimes, but what can easily happen is again, we get so caught up in an ideology. We fall in love with the idol of sexuality. We fall in love with the idol of social justice. Like, and, and what happens is we, we, we try to fit God into these things. Like we try to manipulate God's word and take a verse out of context and try to make it and try to justify an opinion that we have because of an idol and an ideology that we made. When instead we should be doing the exact opposite. We shouldn't try to fit God into the idol. We should try to see, does this idol really match up to what God has to say? And, and mind you, I, I, I'm going to be bold here, but at least for me, it's hard for me to believe 
that we worship God with all of our heart and believe everything that he says, but yet be okay with unborn children being killed in the womb. Like, I find it very hard to worship God to say, here, God, I give you everything, but yet I'm going to cheat on my taxes. I find it really, really hard to say, God, I'm going to worship you. God, you are everything in my life. I believe your word. I believe in everything, but then choose to not get married and live with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Like, I find it really, really, really hard to say, God, I trust you at your word that you said I'm beautifully and wonderfully made, but yet live and die by the opinions of others on social media or in your life. The two don't add up. We got, we got to do like what Joshua said. We need to throw these idols away and worship the one true God, the one true living God. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Jesus tells us in John chapter 4, as he's speaking to, the, as he's speaking to a, a, a Samaritan woman, he says, God wants people who are going to worship him in spirit, and in truth. He doesn't want lip service. He wants the real deal. So the first thing to live obedient life is we need to confide. We need to worship. And the third thing is that we need to serve. We need to serve. And, and, and here's the thing. Serve and worship are interchangeable. Like they're essentially synonyms and they work together because as we serve, an act of service is worship to God. But also to worship God is to serve as an act of service unto him. See, back in the Old Testament, there were people designated in the temple to what's called to minister to the Lord, to worship the God. That was just their role. That was their act of service was to worship him. Right? Again, the two are interchangeable, but they're separate because service is actually the, the, uh, is the action of worshiping him. See, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, right? That verse we read earlier that we read together again, he Joshua, he's saying, man, if, if knowing all this about God and you still choose to do your own thing, again, make a decision today, please. Just like, stop playing yourself. Stop playing with God. Stop playing with God. Make a decision. Serve. And he says, you know what? You do you, boo-boo. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. See, we can't just talk about it. We got to be about it. Are you hearing me? You got to serve the Lord. And, and, and here's the thing. Like Joshua wasn't playing any games. And he, wasn't, he, he didn't want his people to play any games with God either. Because he cared for them. Again, he was a godly leader. He, he wanted them to live in the blessing that was available to them, that God had for, had, that God had for them. And, and look, here, here's the thing. If we don't serve, like if we just simply stick to being a bystander, then, then what we're doing is we're selling ourselves short. Like, God, here's the reality. God doesn't need us. He doesn't. And, 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 and I know that comes off strong, but let that be a humbling reminder that God doesn't need us. But yet he wants us. He desires for us to play a role. He being as great as he is and as powerful as he is to have breathed existence into being says, hey, I want to choose you, an individual, someone that I knit together, that I that I had plans for your life, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future, that I was anointing you in your mother's womb, that he would allow an individual like, like myself or like us here today to be able to serve him. Man, what a privilege. What an honor that he would consider us worthy enough to be able to play a role in serving him. 
And I know a few weeks ago we did like a call so that if anybody wanted to take that next step and join Dream Team, look, here's what I'll tell you. Serving God doesn't maybe even have to be you joining the Dream Team. It's great if you do. And there's a lot of benefits, like you gain community and so on, right? But just serving Him in any capacity, maybe it's, maybe what the Bible tells us is to help the homeless, to, to be there for the widow, for the fatherless. We're called to serve Him and in serving Him, we're being obedient. Right, and, and a lot of times we, we kind of already have that feeling like we know what we should do, but we just don't. James chapter four, verse 17 says, so any person who knows what is right, but does not do it, to him it is a sin. Man, because Jesus died for us, we can live for him. Are you hearing me? Like, we know better, we should know better. So let's take, like, why, don't, why not serve him? And, because again, there are consequences to disobedience. And look, I'm not saying that if you choose not to join Dream Team that, you know, God's gonna not bless your life. That's, that's not, again, that's not how God works and that's not what I'm trying to say here. Because the consequence doesn't have to be you not being blessed in a specific way, but sometimes the consequences is something that we live with and something that the regret that we carry because we knew we should have done something and we know we should have served them. And sometimes that's, that's even worse. At least for me, I, I can share a story on my behalf that I mentioned a little earlier. My dad passed away when, when I was 13. And I remember specifically that day was not a good day. It was February 26, 2005. So my dad, at the age of 35, he passed away. Between the ages of 30 and 35, he had suffered multiple uh, strokes, multiple heart attacks. He had been diagnosed with colon cancer. And my dad, he actually suffered a heart attack in the middle of a Christmas party we had on Christmas, on Christmas Eve, 2004. He waited for everyone to leave the house, went to the hospital. He stood in that hospital for an entire month. He came back home in January 27th. And then while he was home, he was sick. Like he was bedridden. We had a nurse come every day. He was on an oxygen tank every single day up until the day that he passed. And so he needed to rely heavily on us at home. I'm one of three siblings. And I just remember that Saturday, I don't remember what I was doing. I, I honestly, I, I wish I could tell you I was actually doing something important. But I just remember my dad screaming from his room like he's asking for my help. And he's calling my name. And he's saying, Adam, come here. I need your help. For all I know, he just needed a remote. You know what I mean? But like, he's calling, he's calling for me. And I was so mad. Like, I, I, can't, even, I can't explain it. I was fed up. I was like, man, I don't want to serve him. I don't want to help him. I don't want to do anything for him. Man, he's just a burden. I was so mad that afternoon to the point that I ignored his call. I ignored his call. And it was crazy that I didn't even know a few hours later he was going to pass away. And I say all of this that I had to live with the regret of not answering the call to serve. And because I went through all these years and you know what, mind you, I'm, I'm good now and I, I've come to realize, you know what, yes, I should do better, but because I missed the call to serve my earthly father, I'm never gonna miss the call to serve my heavenly father. So I wanna tell you today, answer God's call over your life, get up, serve, make the difference in someone else's life. He's called you, you're a royal priesthood, you're called to minister, you're not called to sit back and relax, you're called to serve him. Why don't we stand up to our feet? And we'll close up service right now. Man, we're called to confide, we're called to worship, and we're called to serve. Because as we remain in obedience, we will live in blessing. And really what I, what I would love to do right now is give somebody here an opportunity before we leave and 
Mind you, all of this is always supposed to point back to Jesus. So if I can ask, if we can close our eyes and bow our heads for really just a moment of privacy, a moment of concentration. I wanna give somebody here an opportunity to, to respond. Maybe you hear this message and you hear about obedience and maybe that first step you need to take is actually starting a relationship with Jesus. Starting a relationship with this God who is mighty, this God who is good, and who, this God that loves you. See, the Bible tells us that we all have fallen short. We all have sinned. We all have, have missed the mark in God's standard. I've sinned, you sinned. There's not a single perfect person here. And because God is so holy, he cannot be with sin. So our sin separates us from him. And God, knowing that there was never a way that we can earn our way to him, he sent Jesus down. And Jesus lived a blameless life. He lived here 33 years. He, he did everything right. He confided, he worshiped, he served. And Jesus being fully man and fully God fulfilled the standard that we couldn't meet. But because sin has a price tag to it, that price tag is death. He gave himself up for us. He paid the price that you and I could not pay for ourselves, And so we shouldn't have to pay for it ourselves. So Jesus, he gave himself up on a cross where he was humiliated, he was punched, he was spat on, he was, he, was, he was brutalized, he was murdered. And he did that all with you and me in mind. The Bible also tells us that three days later, he rose from that grave to defeat what's called the sting of death. So that all we have to do is simply believe in our hearts and declare with our mouth that he is Lord and that he rose and that basically he paid the bill for us, that that free gift of forgiveness will be available to us here today. And I really wanna give somebody here an opportunity to make that decision right now. And if you're here today and you wanna start a relationship with Jesus, or if you're here today and you've, made, you've probably made a decision similar to this long ago, but you've, you feel so far from God and you wanna recommit your life to him, on the count of three, what I'm gonna ask is that you can put your hand up and you can put it right back down. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna point you out, I'm not gonna do any of that. I just wanna acknowledge who I'm praying for. So if that's you today and you wanna make that decision to start a relationship with Jesus or recommit yourself to him, on the count of three, you can put your hand up and put it right back down. One, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same again. Three, if that's you, you can put your hand right up. You can put it right back down. I bless you. I bless you. Amen. Amen. And if you're watching online and you made that decision, God bless you. So here's what I'm gonna do. If you made that decision, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's not a prayer to a pastor or to a church. It's a prayer to God. I just wanna facilitate it for you. And because we're a family, we're all gonna say it together. So repeat after me, dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord and be my savior. From today on, I am forgiven, I am saved, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I love you, and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name, and all the copy said, amen, and amen. Amen, thank you so much. Look, if you made that decision today, and, and you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but you made that decision in your heart, that's okay, God sees that. But we wanna give you a free Bible, it's gonna be free 99 from us to you. Just make sure that you head out to our connect tent out front and we would love to get this in your hand. Don't leave out of here without it. It's gonna have some notes for you. And it's one thing to, 
It's one thing to hear about God, but why don't you get to know him for yourself? And that's how you do it is by reading his word and uh, make sure you get out of here with that. And if you're watching online, you can text the site at 33222 and we'll send you one in the mail. And uh, church, can we, can we give a round of applause for anybody who made that decision here today? One more time. Amen. Hey, so today is Baptism Sunday. And uh, hey, here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to ask that everyone stays, stays in for service. But if you're getting baptized today, if you already registered or if right now you just said, you know what, I'm going to make that decision. Right when this, next, this last song is playing, I want you to head out to the lobby. You're going to go out by the restrooms and someone's going to give you a shirt, going to give you a towel, everything that you need. And then right out front, nobody leave. We have some hot dogs out front, Coca-Cola, go to Circle Cafe. We're going to have a party outside. But uh, make sure that, uh, again, everyone stays in so that everyone who's getting baptized can head out. But uh, I hope this message blessed you guys. I hope that we would remember obedience brings blessing. And we're going to leave out of here worshiping Jesus one more time as the Alpha and the Omega. But let me pray for your week. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. God, thank you that we get to worship you and that we have the opportunity to be obedient to you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you go before us in this week, God, that, Lord, that you would protect us everywhere that we go, and that, Jesus, you would always remind us of the promptings to serve you and to serve you well. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen and amen.